Welcome to the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast, where it is never too early for fantasy football. My name is Jeff. And I'm Alex. As always to our listeners, thank you for downloading, listening, liking, and commenting on our podcast videos. Please subscribe to us on the socials. Our handle on all platforms is at N2E Fantasy. We are now available on all major podcasting platforms, including Google, Apple, RSS feed, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. And you can find us by just searching N2E Fantasy on there as well. Alex, what do we have on today's show? Today's show is our recap of week six. We'll go over the matchups. We'll go over any noteworthy news. And we'll break down any injuries that occurred. All right. And Jeff, why don't we get started with the Thursday night matchup, which was the Broncos at the Chiefs. Jeff, take it away with this one. All right. So the game was not as close as the score suggests. The Chiefs dominated the Broncos in pretty much all facets of this game. Russ looked really terrible. He looks cooked, so Russ can't cook when he is cooked. And it appears that the fire sale is going to be on very shortly. Sutton saved his day with a touchdown, but others right now aren't really startable. So what's going on with the Chiefs offense? Kelsey was the only bright spot of that with Taylor Swift looking on. But Alex, what is going on with the Chiefs offense here? Chiefs offense looks pretty sloppy. It looks like Patrick Mahomes is trying too hard, and that leads to some mistakes. As we've noticed pretty much every week this year and pretty much most of the weeks last year, they just don't have a top option to complement Travis Kelsey. We keep hoping for another guy to break out, take some pressure off of Kelsey, help Mahomes truly spread out the offense, but in a way that's more explosive. Because that's the number one thing is they haven't had that many explosive plays. They had two nice ones in this matchup. But overall in the year, they've been pretty down on explosive plays. And I think that's contributed. Also in this week, Isaiah Pacheco wasn't able to rush as efficiently as he did the previous week. So that kind of hurt them as well. Uh, I know that the Broncos have kind of tweaked their defense and it was better this week. But the offense was horrible. So Russell Wilson... Like you said, he looks nearly done. I don't know if it's just a situation of the quarterback and coach not working together, not meshing in the right system together, or if Russell just doesn't have the focus or drive that he did in his Seattle days. I don't know exactly what's up with him, but he's not geriatric, so he shouldn't be this bad. It could be he's not doing enough mobile plays, but both these offenses were not great. Neither rushing attack was quite what we wanted to see. Passing attacks were pretty anemic for both, granted, Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice had good weeks for the Chiefs. Um, Well, let's, no, no field goals, no extra points. That was interesting, but Harrison Butker did well, despite the Chiefs foregoing a couple kicks early on. But that's my takeaway from this matchup. Absolutely. And we will see what happens going forward. I do think the Chiefs do need one more pass catching option than what they have right now. But it does look like Rasheed Rice is taking the lead receiver role right now, but it's still not enough to be noticeable and really help Mahomes here. And I think that they're going to have to look for a wide receiver in the trade deadline. Sadly, the Broncos will be offering up a couple of wide receivers here at the trade deadline, and uh, I don't believe that they'll trade in division, though. It seems like the Chiefs could have used a DeAndre Hopkins-type player. Who would have thought? They could have, but he chose not to go there, too. They didn't offer him a deal. I thought it was league minimum. No, they didn't even offer him. That is puzzling. But they could trade for him now. It's It's not prohibitive, so anything can happen. Anyway, let's move on to DeAndre Hopkins' team right now his current team the titans so we have the ravens at the tennessee titans however in tottenham which is north london so let's go over this london matchup jeff what did you think about this matchup so i think lamar continues to be impressive throwing the football this year which is a new skill and a new tool that he does look to throw more but flowers is his one and true wide receiver and that's a little bit surprising because i thought obj would be a good one or two early on in the season. I thought Bateman would be a good three. I thought Andrews would look better. 
but clearly he's nursing something or he's aging or something's going on there with Mark Andrews because he just doesn't look Mark Andrews like. Um, Derrick Henry looked good, 90 some yards on 12 carries, but in order for them to win, they know they need to get him closer to the 20 uh, carry mark. And uh, I know they're peppering in Spears here and there, but uh, we'll see if they can continue to get Henry into this offense. Um, but the biggest news from this game is Tannehill re-injured his surgically repaired ankle, and it does appear that he could miss extended time. And if that happens, there goes the entire season. And I know to your point, like we're talking about trading Tannehill. I don't know if it's possible to trade him if he's injured. So that's one thing to kind of watch out for this. So the next 14 days, if he can get fully healthy and pass a physical, that'll be one of the questions to ask Henry potentially being traded because you don't believe that he's going to resign a contract with the Titans. So just a couple of storylines to look at going forward, but overall the Ravens look like a very complete team and they do look like a team that is missing a lead running back. I mean, Leonard Fournette's name starting to come out there in the woodworks. Why not even give him a shot at this point? Like they need someone to take the lead touches away from Lamar because I don't think that's sustainable for the entire year. No, I pretty much agree with everything you said. If Tannehill's injury isn't that bad, they might be able to trade him, but trade deadline comes up so quickly. I doubt they'll give up on the year even even if they're like two and five by that point. So it's tough. It's it's tough the way it's set up. They either have to give up and sell their pieces or they have to keep trying to win and might ultimately, you know, fade out at the end of this year. Like you said, I think the Ravens look pretty solid and well rounded. I don't think that this passing attack is quite what we hoped for going into the season yet. I think they're still working on some things. It's encouraging that Lamar Jackson has at least done well with his completion percentage and being able to target the intermediary and short routes. He hasn't quite hit as many deep routes as, I, as I'd want. A lot of it is yards after the catch, but I really like Zay Flowers' constant involvement. Mark Andrews has been a staple. I know he's probably getting less points at this point in the, the year than most of the people who drafted him would have wanted because last year it was pretty good. Odell Beckham Jr., I think there's more to come from him, but right now Nelson Aguilar looks like the third best receiving option, which is kind of surprising. But he, I mean, you have to go by what, what you see and what the stats show, and they both line up to Nelson Aguilar is the third best receiving option on this team over Odell, over Rashad Bateman. So keep that in mind on a deep, deep, Waiver wire pickups for y- those of you who need wide receivers on a on a, a the upcoming week that has six bye weeks. <laughs> we can talk about that in the next episode. Finally but yeah, I, I pretty much agree with everything else that you said. Absolutely. All right. So we can move forward to the Panthers at the Dolphins. I don't really want to discuss this game too much for very obvious reasons, but uh, the Panthers drop another game. So now they're 0-6 heading into the bye week, which they've made changes now to the offensive play calling, <clears throat> which is both good and bad for Bryce Young. We'll see how much that impacts them going forward. Um, Just looking at stats, their offense really isn't the biggest of their problems. Their defense is just bleeding out points right now. Um, But the Panthers did go up 14-0 in this game with getting stops against the Dolphins. Mostert looked great. He's a must-start without A-Chan. We also have Tyreek, Waddle, and Thielen that are studs. They're target monsters, and they were all good for a touchdown this week as well. What did you notice that I didn't notice in this game? I thought the first half of this game was Bryce Young's best game so far, in my opinion. He looked really good. He looked like he was dissecting the Dolphins. The Dolphins looked kind of flat-footed on defense for a bit. They obviously caught back up, and the Dolphins' offense exploded. But for you know half a game, it looked like this is going to be fairly competitive. So it's encouraging to see Bryce Young take another step forward. I'm kind of to the point now with their rushing game that uh, Chuba Hubbard looks like the better running back over Miles Sanders. I know Miles Sanders is out this week, but I think he's been more efficient than Miles Sanders and he might be the better back. So that's kind of surprising. So if he's still available on waiver wires, I would potentially add him to my roster if I needed a running back. Uh Adam Thielen is killing it every week. Every week. Like I don't I don't see how he can be taken out of starting rosters at this point. So that I've been impressed with that. No one else on this team can catch a ball. So I'm holding off on anybody else. I can see why they're potentially trading for wide receiver. The Dolphins, pretty much what I expected. Maybe when Jeff Wilson comes back, so maybe we can talk about that in the next episode. Maybe Jeff Wilson will eat into some of the carries, but I expect Raheem Mostert to be the lead guy until he splits with 
A-Chan when A-Chan's back. Tyreek Hill may be hurt. We'll, we'll talk about that more in the next episode, whether or not we risk starting him. But when he's healthy, he's the most electric running back in the league. So this is the most exciting offense when everything's going smoothly. Most interesting coach right now, too. So um, it was a better matchup than I expected, but then Miami kind of crushed Carolina in the second half. They sure did. All right, Jeff. We can move on to the Colts at the Jaguars. What should have been the Gardner Minshew revenge game where he annihilated the Dolphins and put them put them in their place. That didn't happen, though. So, Jeff, why don't you walk me through this one? Oh, man. So Minshew falls flat while throwing the ball 55 times. Josh Downs did score. And I know that was a waiver wire pickup that I had said that would be helped out by Gardner Minshew playing. So that actually panned out pretty well. Um, Taylor Normoss do much on the ground, but they do contribute in the pass game. And I know you're going to have to eat a little bit of crow on ETN, but uh, he's 100% a must start at this point. He's like a lineup block, and, and there's not very many running backs that are lineup blocks at this point, like CMC, but there's not too many that are performing at the level that he is week in and week out is basically the point that I'm driving. While Kirk, Ingram, and Ridley are peppered with targets, even Pittman was peppered with targets. So this was a very heavy pass game. The The lead that I am burying on this one, though, is Trevor Lawrence did hurt his knee. And we're going to see how quickly he can get healthy for Thursday night's game against the Saints. I, I mean, both of these teams did a lot. I mean, 55 times throwing the ball is kind of crazy. Um, but I do love watching Lawrence spread the ball around to Kirk Ingram and Ridley. So that's actually really helpful for him. And that's actually showing some more growth on his part. And ETN is, as I said, a must start. So this offense has all of the potential to, to run away with this division and we'll see if they actually do it, but they have all the potential in the world at this point. Okay. So firstly, this is the Gardner Minshew that I thought he was. Um, I think. He was too hyper-efficient at the beginning, but he always was kind of a check-down monster, um, at least in his role as a backup player. He was more gutsy when he was starting for Jacksonville. Um, I don't expect the Colts to win very many more games the rest of the year, though I expect them to be competitive in a lot of them. But I think this is Anthony Richardson's team, and I think Anthony Richardson's going to probably do that surgery, be out for the rest of the year, but be back for next season. As far as the rushing game here, it's I'm kind of surprised the Colts couldn't get anything going with Zach Moss or Jonathan Taylor. I mean, I feel like either one of those guys could have gotten more space. Pittman really didn't get much until the end of the game. For like two and a half quarters, he really didn't have many catches or stats at all. So I think Minshew just kind of pinpointed on him later on in the game. When it comes to ETN, I... Don't think he's being efficient. You look at other running backs that have the same amount of yardage as him. They have much better yards per attempt than he does. He has a four flat and everyone else is better. Everyone all around him is better. Even David Montgomery is 0.1 better. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't think he's being hyper efficient. I think they're overusing him early on in the season. He's he has 113 carries right now. He's on pace for like 300 carries for the for the year. And I don't think his body type is meant to sustain that, which is one of the reasons why I thought they would use Bigsby more. So I expect for them at some point to course correct and rely on another running back, whether it's Bigsby, whether they bring in another veteran running back. But I don't think that he will finish the year if they keep, keep riding him at this pace. It's great for fantasy now, but wouldn't you rather him continue to play each week rather than get it all up front and miss out on playoffs because he goes down with an injury? So that's my concern with him. Enjoy it while it lasts. That's all I will say. And I'm never wrong, just too early. Just remember that. Never too early, sir. Never too early. <laughs> but yeah, I'm oh. concerned about the Jaguars if Travis or Trevor Lawrence misses time too. Because you look at the receiving stats from this week, and you might you might expect something similar for different quarterbacks throwing to these guys. All right, that is kind of what I was thinking as well. But it does seem like Lawrence is optimistic that he'll be able to play this week and going forward. But right now, um, 
ETN is on a pace of 1,278 yards rushing, which is exactly what you saw. 14 touchdowns, exactly what you saw as well. 60 catches, 487 yards. So he's on his pace for that 1,600-yard season that uh, Doug Peterson had wished for him through six games. So this is actually through almost a third of the season. Actually, more than a I third hope of the he season. lasts. I hope his body holds up. Hey, you just got to avoid the big hit and run away from people. And All sometimes right. you're st- still not lucky. Yep. Let's move on to an ugly game here with two really bad teams thus far the Minnesota Vikings at the Chicago Bears. I had picked Chicago in this one, but I also thought Justin Fields would be healthy in this one, and he dislocated his thumb. So I'm going to call Mulligan on that one, and it was still a close game, even without. Justin Fields, which is a really sad state for the Vikings. I like the Vikings more on a real NFL note, but I just thought Chicago would beat them because Justin Fields' ground game would make the difference. With him getting out early, uh, it swung the Vikings' way, and they were without Justin Jefferson, and it showed. Jeff, what are your thoughts about this matchup? Oh, boy. Uh, So as you had mentioned, Fields got hurt, does not return, might be out a while now. So people are going to be scrambling for replacements of Justin Fields. I could see Justin being cut in some leagues, especially during Bimageddon. That's an interesting name to try to scoop off of the waiver wire by teams that drop him because they might only remember the one good game that he had. So that might be somebody to scoop and hold on to if you have the roster spot. Uh, Foreman did okay in relief, and Madison continues to look pretty bad. So I just don't know what Minnesota is doing. Uh, Cousins only passed for 181 yards without Jefferson. So I don't really know what Minnesota is doing offensively at this point. I, I uh, And it's not all because of Jefferson, because Jefferson isn't all of the talent on the offense. I just don't know what's going on. There's just something bad. There's a bad aura around this team, and I just don't know what it is. And some of it could just be that the law of averages are finally starting to come to fruition. Last year, they had won, what, double-digit one-score games, and now they're losing a lot of one-score games. They did get the win in this game, but uh, the only thing that accomplishes is making Alex wrong that they could potentially get the number one overall pick. (laughs) I mean, once they get one more win, they're pretty much out of the number one overall pick conversation. But uh, (laughs) Cousins also announced this week that he is not going to waive his no-trade clause, and he will be sticking with the Minnesota Vikings for the foreseeable future, so they can't even get anything in return for him. And there's a more likelihood that he actually re-signs at this point than anything else. So that'll that'll actually do wonders for Justin Jefferson re-signing there, but uh, I don't know. They've got to remake a lot of this team. It's not just Cousins, but they've really got to remake some of the defense. They've really got to remake some of the offensive line, too, and get a running back that is actually decent, because I don't believe that Madison is a startable NFL running back at this point. Yeah, I don't think he is either, but we'll see about that, about Kirk Cousins resigning. I'll believe it when I see it. Hey, stranger things have happened, and they did happen in this next game. We finally have an interception Mm. alert for C.J. Stroud as the Texans beat the Saints. I'll let you go ahead and get this kicked off because I know you're super excited about this and the Texans showing some life here. I'm not super excited about the interception, but I I do think it's funny that Nico Collins forced a fumble of the guy who intercepted the pass and they got the ball back. It still counts. uh, I feel like it shouldn't. I feel like they should wipe each other out, you know, keep them perfect. Offsetting penalties, offsetting turnovers. But it was bound to happen. He's a rookie. Saints defense is pretty good. I'm encouraged by the Texans to to win a tough matchup. Uh, Stroud threw through basically 23 less times than Derek Carr did and still got the win. And that's with the rushing offense looking terrible. Again, Devin Singletary was more efficient in this one. But I'm starting to figure out why the rushing attack is terrible. And it's they've changed from last year of a, a power gap offensive line block like scheme when it comes to rush run blocking to a complex zone blocking scheme and neither running back is good for a zone run scheme let alone a convoluted one where it has priorities if this one if this gets gets close you kick to this one if that one gets close so 
it's a lot more mental, which means more hesitation, which means they're not hitting the gaps as fast as they should be. Whereas the previous system for Pierce, it was he could predetermine which gap he wanted to hit. So he was already going full speed into that gap, which is why he looked so explosive last year. So that's different. Singletary is coming from a completely different scheme where he was more of a receiving back and open space back. He's faster than Pierce, so he's going to have moments where he looks like the more efficient back, which is fine. But this, they, they, they don't have it figured out. Hopefully over the bye week they have it figured out one way or the other. Nico Collins is pretty much a start every week. Dalton Schultz looks like he's going to be a start. Um, I can't wait for Tank Dale to come back and have this offense continue to be explosive. The defense is getting better, but the defense isn't perfect yet. Um, they're going to have to add pieces there. So I'm excited there. Alvin Kamara on the Saints side, he looks good. Um, still hasn't hit the 100-yard mark, I don't think. Uh, Chris Olave still needs to get a touchdown. He's getting the yardage, he's getting the catches, but he's not getting the touchdowns. Um, this was a Rashid Shahid week for you guys. I don't know how many of you actually ended up starting him, but he got yardage and a touchdown off of just two receptions. And Michael Thomas has been fairly consistent, if not great, this year. So that's pretty much my takeaways. I think both these teams will be fine. I don't know if either of these teams will make the playoffs at this point, but both of these teams will be all right for the rest of the year. Yeah, I agree. And you said it's all right right now. Um, but are you all right with Singletary taking over the lead role or what it's appearing to be the lead role? I don't think it's a lead role. Uh, I mean, I know he ended up with more snapshots this week, and that was more geared towards the end of the game. But I think they're going hot hand approach, and I don't think anyone's locked in to starter right now. But Singletary is the veteran. He's more likely to pick up a new system than a rookie or a second-year guy. So it's entirely possible that they could end up shifting to Singletary for the next few games, and we'll see if that plays out. But right now they're on bye, so we'll have to wait and see what we hear from camp. <clears throat> Mr. 1,300-yard Pierce is on pace for 796 yards rushing and three rushing touchdowns right now. Well, I didn't know the offensive line <laughs> and the running backs would take so long to adjust. The offensive line is 28th in run block, run block win rates. 28. So it's, it's not just the running backs. It's, it's both. I know. I'm just giving you a little bit of heck for, uh, for planting your flag on Pierce and being a little bit of a homer. And I was like, listen. He, he was a guy that wasn't drafted super high and i was like let's let's see it before we believe it i mean if you watch film of him last year he looked phenomenal but he was in the system that utilized his skill set the best and now he's not kind of makes you wonder they why they changed the scheme on him but they want him to be cmc and he's i think they need to combine singletary and pearson to one running back and that might be close to cmc right they're both pretty young still so we'll see who yeah. ends up with the lead back at the end of the year but that is just really interesting to see what's going on there but i do believe people should scoop devin singletary with the off chance that he becomes the lead back for the texans and actually figures it out. But just a, a hunch, a free hunch, I guess is what I'm saying there. So it's a free it's a free roster spot, and if he turns out to be something, then you kind of struck gold. If he turns out to be nothing, then you just drop him and you find the next hunch. We'll see. All right, let's take a look at another ugly matchup, the Seahawks at the Bengals. These are two and... of your favorite teams as well. I know. It was hard for me to pick one, but I thought the Seahawks would rely on their rush game more and they didn't and they paid for it so i heard the Bengals I, uh, don't want you around anymore like they're, they've 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 given up on you because you gave up on them this week no the the Bengals offense in my opinion didn't play well at all um the seahawks offense did better but gino had a couple costly plays that uh ended up losing them the game both defenses played pretty well in my opinion but I think that the Bengals' defense, this is one of these moments where they have the pieces now. They don't have ever, It's not a 100% lockdown team, but they have the pieces to play very well. And this was a very, very good performance. But they're so dang inconsistent. So I would expect next week they completely fall apart because they haven't been able to maintain it. This is a week that they did very well. This is a game that Cincy absolutely had to win. It, it makes sense for them to, to play tough, but this was a game that the whole time could have gone either way. 
And it looked like at the beginning, I was correct with Seattle, but Seattle just lost momentum and couldn't couldn't come back. So it was a good game and not like exciting, but it was a good tough game. And I'm excited for the Bengals that they still have a pulse and might find their way in the playoffs. Now they're three and three, so they have a chance at playoffs. But this is the Bengals' M.O. year over year uh, as they drop the first few games and they don't look good in the beginning of the year and they finally fire it up late. Um, Gino did throw for over 300 yards, so this was actually a little more impressive, but it does seem that he's favoring Lockett a lot more than Metcalf, who had a bit of a temper tantrum on the field this week. So just something to watch out for, but Metcalf could be a squeaky wheel gets the grease scenario like we've seen in the past. I don't know what's going on with Cincinnati's run game with Mixon. It's just not good at this exact juncture, but uh, that could be because Seattle's defense is actually underrated. So we'll have to hold our breath for their next game. And uh, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Higgins didn't do much. So maybe, maybe he gets traded before the trade deadline. I, I wonder if they're cutting him out of this offense for that reason. Could be, or it could be that they want to minimize his contract demand so they can resign him for a little bit cheaper. We'll see. Yeah, I just think that they're going to be mm. playing off of the tag no matter what, because I think he'll walk if they give him a low ball. And if they if if they pepper him less this year, trying to lower his price, I think a lot of teams will see through that and they'll be like, OK, the team did its best to minimize how much he gets paid. But we have three other years showing that he can do it. So I do think he's a top 32 receiver in this league, which by definition makes him a wide receiver one on a team. but we'll see okay let's move on to my upset matchup that did work out hey 50 50 the i know the san francisco 49ers at cleveland cleveland won despite not having deshaun watson i made that prediction thinking deshaun watson would actually play and struggle through it he ended up not playing and pj walker did not look good at all in my opinion but the run game actually showed up this week combination of jerome ford and Kareem hunt also, Christian McCaffrey got hurt, so that helped Cleveland as well. But both these top defenses looked pretty good. Neither team broke 20 points, so it was pretty low scoring, pretty tough. And Cleveland won because of a missed field goal at the end of the game. So kind of backed into this prediction being correct, but I will take it. Uh, I called it because Cleveland was at home. They needed to win more than the 49ers. They have the best defense. 49ers have the second best defense. Uh, and like I said, I thought I thought that um, Watson was going to play, and he ended up not. But Brock Purdy came back down to earth, facing a really good defense. I, I just felt like that was going to happen, and it did. So I'm glad I, I got that right. But I think that the 49ers will be fine. I think that Cleveland needed this victory more, and will carry on the confidence going forward after beating this team. And they also, in the, the AFC North, are competing for division lead and or playoff spot with the other teams in that division. So that's going to be a really tight division. Christian McCaffrey is the one I'm going to be worried about. <laughs> I have him in at least half my my leagues. Um, I'm debating Jordan Mason or Elijah Mitchell going forward, who the backup would be. It appeared um, to be Mason. Yeah, I, I think Mitchell was coming off an injury. Story but, of his career. Yeah. I mean, I mean if, I, if Mitchell stayed healthy all the time, I don't think they would have CMC. And uh, in one league, I'm so thin at running back right now that I'm considering starting the 49ers fullback if uh, <laughs> if if uh, McCaffrey sits out. So that will be a, an interesting play if I can't get a trade going. But yeah, I'm glad that I called this right, Jeff. What did I miss in this matchup? I mean, the only thing here is you're taking a victory lap over a rookie kicker missing a kick. So, I mean, in all honesty, like, let's call a spade a spade there. You got lucky on a rookie not being able to live up to the moment, and he couldn't. And he's probably going to hear it from that fan base. And honestly, this is a kick that could ruin a a kicker's career right here. Like, just the confidence might just be shot after this. Because what if they go... What if they go 16 and one in the regular season and win the Super Bowl? And in his head, he knows he's this one, he's one kick away from this 17 and 0 season that's never existed before. So just things to think about. And that's really all I have to add to that because that game wasn't really that pretty. No, it wasn't. 
Okay. Speaking of a game that wasn't that pretty, let's move on to the Commanders at the Falcons. I think I called this this one too. I think I picked the Commanders in this one, and you picked the Falcons because to date, to that point, the Falcons were undefeated at home. Not this week. Jeff, take it away. Absolutely. So Howell throws for three touchdowns, but only 151 yards. While Ritter throws over 300, but loses. Um, Howell looks real good every week. Like really poised. He knows when to throw the ball and he knows when to run the ball, but neither Robinson leave the thirties for yards on the ground, but their passing pass catching makes them startable. And then Tyler Algier was more involved this week. I think he split the carries with Bijan. So I know last week you had mentioned that it seemed like they were phasing Algier out. Not so fast. He is still hanging around there. And he should because, I mean, he's a startable NFL running back. There is no reason to give Bijan 70-80% of the carries when you have another startable running back on the roster. So that's always going to cap off Bijan's ceiling. And that was always my biggest like concern with Bijan as we were drafting him at his ceiling. But folks saw him with a little bit higher of a ceiling than it has been so far. And then another note that I had put on this one here is Kyle Pitt shows another good week with London also showing a, another good week. So this to me is starting to become a pattern. It's two weeks in a row that these two have had good weeks, but it does seem that Bijan um falters when this does happen but that's kind of all i have on this game anything i missed yeah johnny smith had almost the exact same stats that kyle pitts had minus the touchdown or with the virtually touchdown. identical and they are identical basically on their year-to-date stats as well so they're they're using both tight ends <clears throat> unfortunately for it's like unfortunately for you fans who have been clamoring for kyle pitts to be you know, one of the main targets, he's sharing the tight end role with Jonu Smith. So these guys will both be usable, but neither one of them will be elite on a weekly basis. So that's unfortunate. But Drake London has had consistent good games. Terry McLaren was finally highly targeted in a game, but Curtis Samuel has still been fairly consistent. He's still holding on to like a wide receiver three role for you guys, which I don't mind because I picked him up in a lot of leagues. So I like that. I think Sam Howell, is somewhere between Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield. I don't know. He like swings back and forth. It's like sometimes he has one of those awesome Josh Allen weeks, and sometimes he has a wild Baker Mayfield week, and sometimes it's good Baker. But we'll see what Sam Howell is. I want to see more of him through the season. But it looks like they might have a quarterback there in Washington. So that's not something we were sure about going into the season. Yeah, he. Um, so Howell does at least bring excitement to the franchise and actually brings my eyes to the franchise. Otherwise, I don't know if we would really care about the Washington football team. You like Brian Robinson. Come on. You would still follow him for that reason. (laughs) I'm a sucker for his story, but yeah. Let's move on to yet another ugly matchup. Let's talk about the Patriots at the Raiders. Jeff, why don't you take this one away? Another game, another quarterback is injured. Jimmy G is hurt and goes to the hospital mid-game. Might miss some time, but uh, we'll see with the back injury here. The Raiders still pull off the win, even without Jimmy G, which is mind-boggling that Brian Hoyer played at least a half, and the Patriots mm-hmm. still couldn't win the game. Um, Mac Jones and Evan Bourne were better. Evan Bourne. Uh, Kendrick Bourne were better in this game, but they failed to put up the W. Michael Mayer came to the tight end party, and it might be time to pick him up and leave him on benches, especially if you're a tight end needy team. Any other things that I'm missing in this matchup? No, not really, but I will say I want Aiden O'Connell back. Although, Hoyer actually played pretty well in this one, which I was surprised about. But, man, do the Patriots look like crap. Although, Zeke had like a 70-yard touchdown that was called back because of a penalty, so maybe maybe they would have been better if uh, they got that touchdown. Stevenson looked good. They definitely made a surprising move this past week. They signed Cunningham to a three-year deal off of their practice squad, which tells me that there's some bigger plans for him in the near mm-hmm. future. I don't know what the money looked like for because I haven't had a chance to really look that up. But uh, it, it caught my eye. It's nothing that I'm. It's nothing that I'm really interested in for this year. But it's it's a name to keep in the back of our minds as uh, Malik 
Cunningham, who signed a three-year deal with New England. Yep. He's the one that looks good in preseason, so we'll see if he gets regular season action. And you say you want O'Connell, but his one start looked garbage. And same thing with He's DTR. A rookie. You you keep you keep acting like rookies are already veterans. Like it's gonna take growing pains. It's re- it's regular season, not preseason. We've we've learned that 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 doesn't necessarily translate. I, I just think he is more likely to to be the future than Jimmy G or Hoyer. Although I think Hoyer is a great backup to have in case your quarterback goes down in the middle of the game. So yeah, that's, I mean I don't disagree with you, but there's definitely different ways to get a rookie quarterback ready, and it's the answer isn't always playing them and. Play him, Jeffrey. I know. Stroud, Stroud did very well with it, but there's, there's like, you've openly admitted to me that you believe that Anthony Richardson, who's considering going season ending shoulder surgery, um, that he is getting a benefit here of actually being able to watch games and. and That's not what team. I said. I, I said that rather than try to rehab and force his way back in this year, which is a moot point. It's better for his long-term health if he gets the surgery, rest this year, and then is healthy for next year. Because I think he's more at risk of re-injury and messing his shoulder up worse if he doesn't do the surgery. So it was health and body reasons, not mental reasons that I went with. I think he needs reps, and I don't think sitting on the sidelines is enough for him. But right now, overall body health is more important than getting reps. That's just my thought. So it's a little bit different. Yep. I uh I com- I I completely see that, but uh also he gets to watch the game and he kind of gets to learn. So he is the student right now in a classroom watching the game. And that might help him later see things better. Maybe. All right. Let's move on to the Arizona Cardinals at the Los Angeles Rams. And uh, this matchup looked close at first, but then the Rams pulled away. Jeff, why don't you break it, break down this matchup for us? So it seems that Josh Dobbs is coming back down to earth and Kyler's return is looming. The rumor is that he is going to return to practice tomorrow, opening up his 21 day activation window, which if you've been following the NFL this year, the activation window have been less than four days other than Jeff Wilson so far. So just because they have 21 days to activate him doesn't mean that they're going to take all 21 days. So that'll be something really interesting to watch this week because Kyler could be back playing for the Cardinals at quarterback this weekend. Um, And I don't think that's being talked about enough right now. Uh, If he's been dropped in leagues, go pick him up. Quarterback is like a wasteland right now with quarterbacks going down left and right. At least he'll be somewhat healthy when he's back into the lineup. Um, Ingram takes the lead in the backfield, which is interesting because DiMarcado was a fab slash waiver wire darling last weekend, but uh, those don't always pan out. So it's time to probably throw him back to the waiver wire. Uh, he didn't even look like the, the second back this week, which was a little bit surprising. Cup looks dominant, but Puka would have had a better stat sheet. He did drop a touchdown. So they are still targeting Puka. Don't panic about Puka just yet because they are still looking his way. And he, if he would have caught that touchdown, his stat sheet looks a lot different in that case. Um, and then the Rams are kind of in rough shape at running back as Kyron Williams and Ronnie Rivers go down to injury. And they probably are both missing this week, if not longer. And as you know, from the preseason, Zach Evans was a big favorite of mine. I saw some, I saw a path to playing time. I didn't expect Kyron Williams to be this good. And I also didn't expect uh, Cam Akers to be shipped out. But uh, this is kind of his path to playing time. And he probably will get the first shot. I hope that that's the case. But they brought in Gaskin. They signed Daryl Henderson to the practice squad. Daryl Henderson has the familiarity with the offense. He's been a starter for that team before. He's still young. It makes me think that they don't want to start Zach Evans for some reason, which I don't know why. I know he hasn't been very efficient on his chances that he's been given in the regular season. So maybe they're just not excited with what they see. Maybe it is just a depth thing. I don't know yet. So I wouldn't risk a lot on free agency unless um, unless I really desperately needed it. 
but I would almost split it. Like I would Zach Evans or Daryl Henderson. I would kind of split it between those. I don't really think it's going to be Gaskin. I think he's going to be more the backup, but I'm kind of concerned that Zach Evans isn't going to get the primary share on the Arizona side. Um, I almost think Damian Williams is the one that's going to end up leading the, the carries until Connor comes back. He's the most efficient one. That kind of surprised me, but it's him and Keontae Ingram, and I'm kind of disappointed with Amari not getting more run. He was actually the most efficient one outside of Josh Dobbs in running the ball. He should have gotten more carries, but it might be a three-headed monster between those three guys until Connor's back. So who knows? Who yeah, knows? I just don't like it. I don't like that backfield at all. Yeah. And then if Murray comes back, although Murray and Dobbs, Murray's just a more energetic, young, or more athletic version of Josh Dobbs, but that's going to eat into running back carries too. So we'll see. We'll see if Murray comes back. We'll see how this, how these running back rooms shake out. But Michael Wilson finally had an okay week. He's not getting targeted enough. I can't say that enough times. You don't need to target Marquise Brown 11 times. Send some of those Michael Wilson's way. He's the best all-around wide receiver. Marquise Brown and Rondell Moore are your gadget guys who you can certainly involve for explosive plays, but they don't need 11 and 7 targets. Just my thoughts there. I agree with you that Puka is going to he's gonna get his. It was just one, one down week. Don't panic. It's not over. Puka will get his, his targets. He'll be fine. He and Cup will, will thrive. So that's one thing that, that I am sure about. Absolutely. And the thing with Wilson is his Superman and his savior is coming back very shortly, which I think if I could go back to our text message thread and look at one of our pinned chats, um, we have a little bit of a bet of Kyler's going to play eight games or not this year. And you said he will not play eight games this year. And I said he would. And here we are six games in and if he starts playing this week and he plays the rest of the season then i win that so <laughs> yeah but you also thought he'd play week one i did i did i thought that he would be ready week one um i don't know what happened there to be honest um i'm not saying that he wasn't ready but apparently this is his uh very first injury of this magnitude but the exact message that you sent me, Alex, was no way he misses less than eight games. He's a mobile quarterback, not a pocket passer. So I said he'll miss eight games. Yep. Not that he'll play eight games. He'll miss eight games. So we're on six. week seven. We're, we're going into week seven. So there's two yep. more weeks. Yep. So we'll see. We'll see if he comes back before that point. I think he's back week seven, sir. I'm excited. I, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Oh, there's lots of news and smoke swirling around Kyler Murray right now. We shall see. And they're a team that's definitely They might not... have to activate him to trade him as well. So he, he he's definitely someone that's not um joining a team that's tanking either. Even though they're one in five at this exact juncture, they do look like they're trying every single game. So kind of interesting. And uh Jonathan Gannon hints Kyler Murray re may return to practice this week. I'm excited. May return the practice. May. If they lose this week, they're one and six. There's no way. With the way his contract is structured, they would risk him not being healthy for next year, which guarantees more money. So I don't know, Jeff. I, I think I I think I'm personally I think I'm still okay. <laughs> but, but if I you will do say, that, to, I have to been more correct than you on this one so far. You have, you have, but there's always a chance for a big turnaround. But uh, I also don't think that they'll be doing themselves a service by holding Kyler out. They need to see what he can do under this coaching staff <clears throat> because they need to know what direction that they need to go in for sure in the draft. And not getting all of the information from this coaching staff actually is a loss for Jonathan Gannon, like a, a major loss. <clears throat> and they have a lot of issues in house right now. So I guess they don't really need to add another issue right now, but because they, they have like a work culture issue inside of the Cardinals uh, front office. So just something to look out for there. Uh, that could be an, another team that forces an ownership change over the next year or so. All right. Let's 
to move on. We have four more matchups for you guys. So let's try to, to power through these here. So the next one, Tampa at Detroit. I think we hope this would be a better game. Um, I, I'd certainly know I picked Detroit. I have monetary interest in Detroit being successful this year. So full disclosure there, um, if you haven't already heard me say it. But I thought Detroit keeps finding new ways to win. Uh, Monroe St. Brown was back at full speed. We saw Jameson Williams play. He had a nice long catch, and he had a touchdown. So they keep finding unique ways and different ways to win. And this one, they didn't have much of a run game with Dave Montgomery down and Gibbs not playing in this one. So Craig Reynolds doesn't look that great in the rushing spot, wasn't very efficient. They couldn't get much going. Hopefully Gibbs will be better um, in lieu of David Montgomery. They might even have to bring in another body. So we'll see. Um, the Buccaneers just haven't been very good on their side of the field with rushing. Rashad White, not very efficient. They even threw out Keyshawn Vaughn. He was even less efficient. Um, both quarterbacks were okay, but Baker didn't get any touchdowns. He um, threw a pretty awful pick as well. But Mike Evans did not have a good game. And Chris Godwin, for at least two weeks in a row, has outperformed him. So that's noteworthy. Jeff? were your takeaways on this matchup? Oh boy. This matchup here show I was wrong in first of all. So it's I thought the Buccaneers were gonna be more fresh coming in. And it didn't appear to be that way. Goff overpowers the Bucks, which is impressive because their defense isn't anything that's push aroundable. Um yes, that's a new word. Um and I, I mean, I do think Mike Evans breaks that 1000 yard mark. We always talk about it. I think he continues that for his career, um, which is super impressive, but I don't also don't think he returns to the Bucks this upcoming year. So he's a trade candidate as we hit the Halloween trade deadline. I would probably say Godwin is a trade target as well. The only thing that's really stalling that is the Buccaneers are in first place in their division. So that's a really hard sell to your fan base if you're in first place giving away players like that. But do I expect them to be at first place at the end of the year? I do not. Um, Baker kind of came back down to earth this year or this week. And uh, we'll see if he can reignite the offense next week. Now, this one I know pains you, David Montgomery's injury. And we don't know how long he's going to be out for, but we do know that he's going to miss some time. Um, Jameer Gibbs is someone to look at for that, or Craig Reynolds. Um, he looked really good in, in some spot work this past week. So we'll see what happens there, but that's pretty much all I have about that game. What do you have that I missed? No, I think we about covered it. Word. We can move on to the next game, which is the Eagles at the Jets. Jets beat the last undefeated team. Aaron Rodgers was on the sideline without crutches. He swears that he's coming back early. We will see. We'll keep everyone posted with that. Um, the defense made uh, Hurts look bad at times and then um, made Swift look bad, but receptions did save him this week. Um, but the, the players that looked really great in this game, Brees Hall, which you know I'm going to keep singing my praises on the Brees Hall train. Um, Garrett Wilson looked great. He did get injured in this game. Uh, it did look like it was a knee injury, but he did come back in because it looked like a non-contact injury, which makes everyone gasp and hold their breath. Uh, A.J. Brown also looked great. I did think this was going to be a Devontae Smith game because he was the squeaky wheel. That did not turn out to be the case. So maybe this is just the way it's going to shake out going forward is it's going to be the AJ Brown show with uh, Smith and Goddard peppered in there, but Smith did have a couple bad drops in this game. So it's something to be on the lookout for anything I missed on this game. No, I don't really think so. So uh, I pretty much agree with all of that. I, I do think that Aaron Rodgers though, should keep getting healthy and be coach Rogers for the short term and foreseeable future. And I don't think he should come back until unless they're, close to playoff contention and he's healthy enough to play i don't think he should rush himself back no matter what he no matter what he thinks but i think him talking to zach wilson's helping him develop and that defense with Brees hall getting healthier and healthier on offense and i think that the jets might do good enough to get more wins and potentially get close to playoffs so just be coach rogers for now 
is, is my thought. Right. And uh, he's really changing the narrative around him being a teammate, too. I mean, he's really got that opportunity and he's taking the, the making the most of it right now. OK, we got two more games, guys, two more games. So let's talk about the Sunday night matchup, the New York Giants at the Buffalo Bills. And we almost had a surprise upset. We almost had the Giants beating the Bills, Jeff. What do you think about this matchup? Oof, this was my lock of the week, and it had me being the it had me sweating the most this week. Um, the Bills squeak it out. Barkley looked great on his return, which we'll get to the next game here, which is the Monday night game. Uh, Eckler did not look good as good as Barkley did. Um, so that's a kind of an interesting comparison right there. Um, Diggs gets sixteen targets, which we you will cover why that is problematic here in a second. Um, Wandale Robinson led the wide receiver room with Tyrod Taylor, and that is actually a good thing. I think he went seven for seven, so seven targets, seven catches. So there does lend to be some there. There's they're showing some promise with Wandale Robinson there. Um, is it a Daniel Jones problem? It could be. Um, but what's going on with the Bills' offense, and what do you think about this dig sixteen target performance? I I think that there's a a huge problem because one Diggs had 16 targets that's more than everyone else on the team combined which was 13 so that's a major problem yes he can have a higher number that's totally fine he's a star player i i, I expect that but when it's that unbalanced like you've pinpointed multiple weeks in a row now when josh allen is solely focused on Diggs, when over half of his completions go to Diggs. He's like forcing it. He's going to make a bad throw. He's going to be an interception. It could ignore someone who's wide open, and that could be a bigger play. And eventually, when he plays better defenses, they are going to find a way to shut down Diggs, or at least slow him down, and that's going to derail everything. And I don't know how this is sustainable for the rest of the year. I don't know why you let a player dictate that he gets the ball all the time like it's a team sport there are other good players yes gabriel davis had had a fumble but gabriel davis had big plays dawson knox could have gotten more i mean khalil shakir is someone that you could have targeted more than one time that's that's something that could have happened you can trade for a wide receiver opposite of stefan Diggs to take more pressure like there are things that you can do and right now one guy being your whole receiving offense it's not going to work forever. And when you get to playoff time, it's certainly going to bite you in the butt. Uh, I do like that James Cook got some run, looked effective. I'm annoyed that he didn't get a touchdown. I'm annoyed that he didn't get more carries than he got. But I'm glad that he got 71 yards. I, I really think this offense is not good. Um, but it's better than the Giants offense. I look over at the Giants offense, and I don't know why Tyrod Taylor is throwing 36 times. He's not a pocket quarterback. He's not someone I would put the team on his back. Um, he had that horrible halftime audible with 16 seconds left and no no timeouts that he did a run play and ran out the clock when they could have had another touchdown or another field goal, and maybe they could have won this game. So clearly Dable is not that good of a head coach, but he was a great coach over Josh Allen on the offensive side. So maybe he'll get fired and go to Buffalo and fix the Buffalo offense that way. I don't know. Barkley had an okay game, although 24 rushes might be a little too much when he's coming right off an injury. As far as Wandale, I, I can see where your thought train is coming from. I know he was a high draft pick, um, but I think it's more he ran with the twos and Tyrod Taylor was the, the second quarterback, which is why he had a better connection than Daniel Jones did. But I don't think Wandale is very good. That's just my thought. I am always befuddled why they don't involve Jalen Hyatt more. Every week I say this, every single week, he's the only one who can stretch the field, the only one who can do that, and they refuse to use him. So, I mean, I'm kind of giving, giving up on this. I don't think Dable is the, the genius that people thought he was when he was working with Buffalo, but maybe he and Josh Allen just had magic together. That's it. Maybe he can't re replicate it with anybody else. So yeah. I think the Giants are, to, to me, a lost cause, and Buffalo, if they don't even things out on their passing offense, I don't think they're going to go far in the playoffs. Right. But at least they're going to make it to the playoffs. Um, that's almost a guarantee at this point that there's a lot of not good AFC teams that we thought were going to actually be good. Um, 
but going back to the Giants and Dable, like he really doesn't have good quarterback play right now from either of his quarterbacks. So I don't know if that buys him an extra year or what, but the general manager at the very least needs to be fired for signing Daniel Jones to a two year, 40 million per year contract. I think it was a four year, 40 million, but only the first two years were guaranteed. So there was that saving grace. Yeah. Terrible, terrible signing. We both said it wasn't great at the time. Here we are. And there they are. They're, they're a train wreck. In my opinion, I, don't have much hope for them for the rest of the year. All right. Okay. I think we have one last Let's move game. on to the last matchup. Yes, sir. <laughs> Tell them more revenge game that wasn't. Jeff, what were your takeaways in this one? This was a really exciting matchup, which I don't know if you would have thought that going into it, but the Chargers always seem to come down to the last drive no matter which side that they're on. Herbert and Dak duel. Dak does run, which I know was one of your biggest gripes about Dak is that he's lost some of his athleticism. And he was paying attention specifically to you. And that's why he started running a little bit more. Um, And Eckler returned, as I had mentioned, but he did look a little pedestrian. Didn't look great. Pollard didn't look great. He did have that one long catch that went for 60 yards when he, that, when the defender spun him around and he didn't go to the ground. He just like, he basically spun him. He landed on his feet and just kept going. Um, I think it kind of surprised Pollard at first, but uh, he's a guy that I'm concerned about as we hit the second half of the season, because he's going to have a lot of wear and tear on his body from these games. And I just don't think he's that type of running back. So they might need to look for external running back help. And then as we talk about every week, Keenan Allen reigns supreme. And uh, I will continue to take my victory laps for convincing you that Keenan wasn't done and that a one-year injury aberration isn't the end of his career when he's been healthy the previous six, seven seasons. So I will continue taking my Keenan Allen victory lap. But uh, I'm glad that you are reaping the fruits of that reward. Yeah, it's been nice. I certainly appreciate it. Anything that but, I missed in that game? Exciting game, though. It was. Uh, man, I just thought both these guys were running for their lives for a lot of it. Dak looked more comfortable running for his life and running out of the pocket. When he was out of the pocket, he actually was very accurate, which was vintage Dak. So it's something he had been missing last year. He had been missing the other five weeks this year. So it was good to see him actually do that. He was very accurate when he did that. Uh, he he hit 100% with CeeDee Lamb with all of his targets, 7 for 7. Brandon Cooks, 4 for 4. Tony Pollard, he was 6 for 7. He was close to, to getting all of those. Ferguson, 1 and 1. The one guy that he just couldn't get on rhythm with was Michael Gallup. Three receptions on 10 targets. He nearly threw two interceptions. Um, a lot of tip balls. I don't know what it is about those two that they haven't been able to sync up. I don't know if Dak doesn't have his speed down because Gallup has battled injuries throughout his career with Dallas. Uh, I don't know if it's Gallup doesn't know the route. I don't know what it is about their connection that they don't have, but that was the the main weakness on the passing side for the Cowboys. Um, I, I do know that the pass rush from Bosa and Khalil Mack was pretty good. They just had a hard time getting to Dak. So that was good to see Dak run around and escape a lot. Um, Herbert, though, I mean, he he looked scared. He has that broken finger. He couldn't plant his feet when he was on the run, so he kept throwing in the dirt throw, or overthrowing somebody, and it didn't look great. Um, Palmer should have had a touchdown in this one. Would have made it a better situation for the Chargers. Uh, then they benefited from some special teams plays as well, but their offense just didn't look great, and Eckler didn't look great. Uh, he kept getting stopped by the Dallas defense, and I thought that was kind of concerning. So something's wrong with their rush attack, even with Eckler there. But Keenan Allen is holding this together. Josh Palmer, in the absence of Williams, is the number two target here. So I trust them. Uh, it's another no-show week for Quentin Johnson. Two targets, zero catches. Seems to be his MO every week now. All right. I think that wraps it up this week, right? I believe so. All right, so that does it for another episode of the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you all for downloading and listening to this episode. Please 
Do not forget to like and subscribe. Please leave us a comment and share the show. Every little bit helps. All right, guys, you can find us on all podcasting apps by searching into eFantasy and with our handle at n2efantasy on all social media platforms please give us a follow until next time take care of yourselves and remember it's truly never too early for fantasy football thank you again hi everybody